you're listening to a sermon podcast from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. May God bless you as you listen. Well, can you believe it's already October? Yeah, got the fall colors on. I thought this was orange for uh, 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 reconciliation uh, on Friday and this weekend, just to kind of acknowledge that truth and reconciliation, but I was told that today that it's actually yellow-ish, right? So... Mustard yellow, so I'm colorblind, what, what can I say? Well, October is a great month, not just for pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks, but also because it's missions month for us here at Lawson. It always has been for a great number of, over a decade already, where we uh, celebrate by the churches coming together October 21st to 23rd for our Saskatoon-wide missions conference. All eight of our alliance churches in Saskatoon and surrounding cities are coming together uh, to worship the Lord, but also to celebrate what God is doing. On that weekend, we spotlight international workers, uh, what we used to call missionaries. We can't do much of that anymore publicly, uh, so that we can inform the Alliance here in Saskatoon what God is doing through the Alliance Missions uh, program through the Christian Missionary Alliance, but also so that we can share in their efforts by preparing, praying, giving, and imagining new ways to partner with our missionaries while they're out on the field. So along with that, we usually make October Missions Month. So welcome to Missions Month. Hang on to your seats. But I want to shift our focus a little bit this morning, just on the theme. My series is entitled, A Day in the Life of a Missionary. Sometimes I think, like, I don't know, do you ever wonder what a missionary does nine to five out on the field? We're going to be looking a little bit about that, but we're going to be looking a little bit about what a missionary does before they get out on the field. In other words, what does a missionary's life look like? What, What drew them to missions and what do they do while they're there? See, no one is ever born a missionary. I mean, God obviously has it in his foresight, but nobody ever is born coming out of the womb saying, I'm going to be a missionary with the rest of my life. I've heard stories of, uh, from missionaries who, at a very, really, really young age, decided that they wanted to be a missionary, and it came true. God, God made that way happen for them. But from what I hear, most missionaries usually make that decision somewhere around grade 12 and a little after. So what happens? Well, before anyone goes out on the mission field, there comes a moment, an an epiphany, a spark, really, of, of awareness and passion where they gain an interest in the Father's heart. Let me explain that. Living in Canada, if you're under the age of 30, you're familiar with, or if you're over the age of 30, you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Why don't we say it together, shall we? You probably don't even need this. Let's say it slowly so that we actually make it a prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This is something we share, isn't it? Something that we who are in Canada have as a common experience of praying this prayer at school in the mornings before the day began. Now, 
Not everyone who prayed the prayer daily have continued to hallow the Father after that. And as much as they as such, they really don't want to or care to claim God as their heavenly Father. They may be carried an awareness of God into the rest of their life because of that prayer, but certainly they weren't committed to hallowing the Father as a reality of their life after. And they weren't interested at all then in seeing God's kingdom come to this earth, His will being done on this earth just as it is in heaven. But for some, the light did come on one day, maybe not as a result of this prayer that they prayed, but it was probably part of a growing awareness of their need for God, to hallow Him. At some point, an awareness of God struck them so profoundly, so deeply, that they decided that they wanted to openly hallow God as their Heavenly Father. And so they gave themselves to Jesus, wanting his will for their lives and his kingdom to come in their world. And in that time, they began to want God's kingdom and his will to be done on earth and in their lives just as it is in heaven. And this prayer no doubt added to that desire as they prayed it. And with that new relationship to their heavenly father, that prayer became more than just an enforced daily routine. It became the reason that their own hearts beat. Let me read the prayer to you from Matthew chapter 6. Obviously, there's some differences of wording in there from from, uh, the prayer that we typically pray, but let me read it for you. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. This then is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That, folks, is more than just a prayer. It's meant to be a model, a a sort of a springboard for prayer. And this this prayer then discloses what Jesus says is the Father's heartbeat in this world. And being the Son of God, it's what makes His heart beat as well. And it points to how our hearts should beat if we claim to hallow God as our Father and Jesus as our Savior, just like Jesus did. But like the prayer, many who once prayed that prayer, with even devout spiritual intention at one time, just because of the cares of the world, start to slowly stop reciting it. And the prayer fades into the woodwork of their life. And once they reach their adult years, the only time they repeat it is once in a while, maybe places like church, maybe on special occasions, or in desperation when they don't know how else to pray. But there are some who never lose sight of their desire to see that prayer become a reality in the world. And along with the Lord's Prayer, they read in the Holy Scriptures more ways that the Father's heart beats for the nations. How like as far back as a patriarch Abraham, how God made him a promise millennia ago, Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3, where God says to Abram, I will make you into a great nation, Abram. I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What would that blessing be like, Abraham wondered in faith? Well, by faith, Abraham moved in the direction of that promise. And not just him and Sarah, but generations later, God is still making it known to his people how his heart beats for the nations. Even as far into the Old Testament as Malachi chapter 1, God says, my name will be great among the nations. It will be. From where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me. Because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. And then we have the arrival of Jesus, the Savior of the world. That was pointed out at his baptism. Then into John chapter 3, verse 16, we have Jesus' own words of the Father's heart. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And then, progressing through the rest of his ministry and life, three years later at Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus sort of brings it all together after his resurrection. And he says to his disciples and to all of us, he says, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Everywhere one looks in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, our Heavenly Father is constantly bearing His heart for those who hollow Him to know that His heart beats for the salvation of the nations. Not just for you. It is most important, the most important thing in the heavens and the earth that the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, the biggest thing they agree on, and they call their worshipers to join them in their passion and ambition for the nations. And this compels, this compels the devout to pray continually the essence of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Because in that prayer is the heartbeat of the Father. And they pray that prayer because their, their heart has been sparked to pray that prayer for the nations too. And the way they pray the Lord's Prayer then gets expanded. Beyond the words written on the page, beyond the ones we learned in elementary school, they are expanded beyond the page to include very specific places on the earth where the kingdom of God still needs to come, where the will of God is still not pursued as the will of the people. These specific places include specific people groups with specific cultures, specific languages, needs, and specific obstacles to them knowing and hollowing the Father for themselves. And this is the cool part. There are some who have adopted the Father's heart for the nations who have also gotten an epiphany, if you will, an idea, an ambition In Christian circles, we call this the call of God upon their lives. People who, after some time of praying and expanding the Lord's Prayer, decide that it's not enough for them to stay in their own nation. They feel God's heartbeat so strongly for the nations 
that they just can't not go to another nation and to live out that prayer. The call of God manifests itself into a thing called a missionary calling. But for some who are called, this calling becomes a part-time vocation. Going when they can, where they can, spending their, vocation, their vacations overseas, partnering with other missionaries to advance the kingdom of God where they are. And once they're there, in those unreached nations, their desire for the Father's heart grows even more. And they come back to tell us of what God is doing over there. For others who are called, this calling becomes a full-time vocation. They've come to the place where they believe that God's heavenly will for their lives on this earth is to spend their lives overseas in another nation for the glory of God. To invest in the kingdom work doing what Jesus did over there. They feel this calling so strongly that they're actually willing to go to desperate, even dangerous places for the will of God. Even places where their very lives are at risk for for living out the Lord's prayer over there. In fact, 80% of the Alliance International Workers, what we call missionaries, live in this little area called the 1040 window. They live, it's a very large area actually, But they live there even to the most unreached people groups of the world. That's because 80% of the most unreached people groups live in that area. Which is also home to 80% of the most dangerous countries in the world to be a Christian, to speak about Jesus and his kingdom. But you know what? Those with the missionary calling upon their lives... Those who are over there right now, spending their lives for Christ, are hoping. No, actually, they are depending on those back home, like you and me. Those who hallow the Father's name like they do. They're depending on us to keep praying the Lord's Prayer and expanding the words of the prayer to now include them, our missionaries as they give their lives to the expansion of the kingdom of God in another nation, among another people group, that our Heavenly Father wants to bless with the good news of Jesus Christ. Whom he wants to pour out his Holy Spirit on. So that they will believe and find salvation in his hallowed name. That, my friends, is the Father's heart. Friend, where are you at in praying the Lord's Prayer? Have you learned to embrace it? Have you learned to keep praying it, at least the spirit of it? Have you learned to expand on it so that you can be part of God's plan for the nations? See, before a missionary ever gets to the field, the mission field, before they invest in a seminary degree in language studies and intercultural studies, In the day in the life of a missionary, person with a missionary calling, they invest locally in what the Father's heart beats for. Going overseas as a part-time or even a full-time missionary requires a special call from God. For sure we know that. 
but adopting and engaging in God's heart for the nations, even from your own home, is the call of God on everyone. Everyone like you and me who call on that hallowed name of our Heavenly Father. So my friends, along with learning what a missionary does along the way and in a day, my hope through this series is that we here at Lawson will learn how to join our heart to the Father's heartbeat so that our our hearts will beat as one. That we will see our part in getting the gospel to the nations and we all have a part. You know, that's why our denomination, like every other missionary denomination, calls people to become church members. On a practical side, without church membership, we literally could not keep the lights on in this place. Literally. Without membership, we couldn't offer you charitable donation receipts for your offerings. The government requires a church to have an official church membership and hold board meetings and annual meetings that members only can say, have a say in. Without membership, we couldn't keep the current benefits that are afforded us by the federal, provincial, and municipal governments and things like land tax exemptions and GST reductions. You don't know this, but every year we have to fill out forms for the CRA. And they require us to list our active membership and active board members just to exist. Without membership, the pastors couldn't marry you. We could still bury you. Funny how that works. But (laughs) practically, if you consider Lawson your church home, we need you to become an active member here. We need you to stay alive. But alongside the practical, membership helps us to know who we can count on for the future of this church and its ministries. No pastor can be a pastor at a local church unless they become a member here too. So your pastoral staff are committed members of Lawson Heights Alliance Church from the minute they put their feet on this this good soil here. No elder can be an elder here at any local church unless they are committed members of the church. And Lawson has committed elders. No alliance missionary can go to another country unless they are members of a local church here and they get to be there too. So by you becoming a member, you are telling us that you are together with us to see the gospel of Christ get to the homes here in Saskatoon and surrounding cities, but also becoming a member here, you're telling us that you are equally committed to getting the gospel of Jesus out to the nations through this local fellowship, especially to the nations that have not yet heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But without membership, so without membership, the missionary force of the alliance would stall out and die. I want you to think about this scenario for a moment. Ravit is a 39-year-old man living in North India. He works hard as a carpenter to provide for his wife and four kids, but he also farms a small plot of land. He works in the mornings, both in the field and at the shop, and then he dedicates his afternoon to ministry and to church planting. And soon, very soon after starting this, he's planting all kinds of churches. 
It didn't take long, though, before a radical Hindu group with political ties became jealous of the impact that Ravit was having in his area. And so one day, a group of them attacked him, beat him mercilessly, and he died. The churches he planted, though, continued to grow. And even though they didn't have any of the benefits that Canadian churches get, their converts quickly became baptized members of their churches, even with persecution hanging around them, because they believed that they were part of something bigger than themselves, and they were not afraid to commit to make it so. And that solidarity as members of the church became their unifying bond in persecution. And soon, though, they were persecuted too. Three house church leaders are arrested while worshiping in their house church. Some of their house churches were burned to the ground. Luckily, no one was in them. I want you to think about the reservations that you have in becoming a member here at Lawson. Kind of puts things into perspective, doesn't it? I get it. Membership limits options. If you become a member here, you'll have to get more committed to the church with your time, your talent, and your treasure. But ask your brothers and sisters in India and in places like Indonesia and China, Afghanistan, North Korea, and countless others like them what they'd be willing to sacrifice in order to be included in a church membership like ours with the freedoms daily to pray and worship and give and serve and witness publicly for Jesus. It's time for the church in the West to stop sitting around and get going like our brothers and sisters overseas do. Brothers and sisters, we need to show You need to show us that you are serious about the heart of the Father. We need you to step up and be counted as one who is willing to not just mindlessly recite the Lord's Prayer, but that you are also one who is passionate about living it and expanding it for the glory of God everywhere. We need you to commit with us to hallow the name of our Heavenly Father. We need you to long for and live for and work together for the kingdom of God to come locally and internationally and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need you. See, membership here at Lawson is about all of us who call on God as our Heavenly Father to become partners with Him and partners together in His desire to see the nations one for Jesus. It's what His heart beats for. So have we, so at the front there at the Welcome Center, we have a sign-up sheet for two up-and-coming membership or slash ministry partnership interest nights. One is Sunday, September, or one is Sunday, October 30th at 6.30 p.m. And the other one, if you can't make that one, is November 1st at, at 7 p.m. If you're not already a member, if you're not already a member, I hope that you will choose one of those nights and come and see how you can get on board with God's mission here at Lawson. And what about those of you who are already members here at Lawson? What can you do to revive and strengthen your partnership here? Well, first of all, let me say thank you. On behalf of me, the Board of Elders, and the Alliance of Saskatoon, or Canada, 
and the Alliance World Fellowship all around the world. Let me say thank you for becoming a partner with us daily and through the years, both in your service, financially, in your prayers, in your hands-on ministries, for your part in the gospel here at Lawson and through the church. Second of all, we can pray. I want to encourage you as a member to start praying for the Lord's, start praying the Lord's prayer. Learn to expand on it for the nation's sake. Pray through your own life network. Read books on how to pray for missionaries, like this book here by Eddie Bayan. Uh, his name is, uh, is his name, and the book is called Praying for Your Missionaries, How Prayers from Home Can Reach the Nations. Excellent book. Thirdly, we need a missions team. We'd love to get more strategic in how we maintain our commitment to the Great Commission, to Jesus, to our missionaries like Heather and Andres, and to Jerome and Morgan, our Seamless Link missionaries. If you're interested, go to the Welcome Center after the service and sign up. And let's, let's partner together how we can be more strategic to make missions more the heart of what we are doing Sunday mornings and throughout our weeks and years. Number four, we need you to continue to give generously to the Global Advance Fund, to the church, our local advance fund, and to special projects as they arise. For instance, one of those projects is the Jaffrey offering. I was hoping to show you a video of it this morning, but our video is down. Imagine that. Every year, the Alliance of Canada participates in an offering called the Jaffrey offering, the Jaffrey Fund. And this fund raises hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to do a special work in a, in a specific part of the world where the gospel has not yet gone. And we are getting people there. This Jaffrey offering is going to South Asia and to some special causes there. And next week, I hope to show you that. So we can do a number of things. We can pray. We can be on a missions team. We can get into, our wor- into the gospel and to the word of God and to find out what God's heartbeat is for the nations and pray into that specifically. We need to continue to give generously to the areas that God's heart wants to go to next. Let's pray. And let's pray our Lord's Prayer together, but again, slowly. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, all the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Elders, why don't you come forward to the table, the communion table. Worship team, come on up. This is a beautiful meal showing the commitment of Jesus to bring salvation to the nations. If ever we stop to think that it is just for us that he died, we are not just in error But we, (laughs) I don't know what to say. This meal is not just about us. This meal is a commitment by the disciples of Jesus everywhere that we are 
to say, Lord, I'm on board. I'm with you. I accept your cross and your sacrifice on it. And I accept also my part in it. Not only my own sin, but also my own service from here on in. And I give myself to it. That's what this meal is all about. So as we sing some more songs in worship, as we continue along, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we hollow your name. You are great in every way. And it was your will to send your son. It's your will to send your son to this earth to be persecuted, to be put up on a cross, and to use his life as a sacrifice for many. Lord, there are people all over the world that don't have this meal yet. They don't know about it. They don't understand what Jesus did. Oh, dear God, as we eat this meal and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. But we also join ourselves to him and his gospel and his heartbeat for the nations. And we do this in the precious name of Jesus for the glory of God everywhere. Amen. Amen.